Welcome to the First United Methodist Church. We hope our sermon broadcast will bless you. So here's the story of the birth of Jesus, the anointed. It is quite a remarkable story. Mary was engaged to marry Joseph, son of David. They hadn't married, and yet sometime well before their wedding date, Mary learned that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, because he was a kind and upstanding and honorable man, wanted to spare Mary's shame. He did not wish to cause her more embarrassment than necessary. Now, when Joseph had decided to act on his instincts, a messenger of the Lord came to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to wed Mary and bring her into your home and family as your wife. She did not sneak off and sleep with someone else. Rather, she conceived the baby she now carries through the miraculous wonder-working of the Holy Spirit. She will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, which means the Lord saved. Because this Jesus is the person who shall save all of his people. Joseph woke up from his dream and did exactly what the messenger had told him to do. He married Mary and brought her into his home as his wife, though he did not consummate the marriage until after her son Jesus was born. When the baby is born, I will name him Jesus, Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. Years and years ago, Isaiah, a prophet of Israel, had foretold the story of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus in this way. Hope of all hopes, dream of our dreams, a child is born, sweet breathed, a son is given to us, a living gift. And even now, with tiny features and dewy hair, He is great. The power of his leadership and the weight of authority will rest on his shoulders. His name? His name will know in many ways. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Dear Father Everlasting, Ever Present, Never Failing, Master of Wholeness, Prince of Peace. His leadership will bring such prosperity as you've never seen before, sustainable peace, for all time. This child, this child, God's promise to David, a throne forever among us to restore sound leadership that cannot be perverted or shaken. He will ensure justice without fail and absolute equity always. The intense passion of the eternal commander of heavenly armies will carry this to completion. We don't know a lot about Joseph. We only know that, among other things, he had a conversation with an angel. A few years ago, Diana Lee Matthews decided to write a poem for Joseph. Joseph, there is so little that we know about you, just that you were a simple carpenter taking a young wife to make a life of your own. Then she surprised you with the news of a baby. How shocked you must have been. 
It was before you'd made her your own. How could she have deceived you so? The thoughts of having her shamed when the angel appeared telling you this was God's son and you had been chosen as much as your betrothed, the responsibility on your shoulders to provide for him, teaching him about his heavenly father or perhaps maybe learning from him instead, keeping him safe from a frightened king, sharing your craft and your heart with him, then you just disappear. And we wonder where you went, what your life must have been like to be the earthly father of the eternal king. Every angel in this series so far, and most of us probably know that it's going to be that way next week, seems to use the phrase, do not be afraid, as an opening line. But perhaps no one needed to hear it more than Joseph. What was happening to him was the stuff that ruins lives. As a man, he had all the rights to abandon Mary and preserve his dignity. The stakes were high. Who would believe this? Worrying about what might happen in the future can rob us of more joy in this time and place. And we are called to be messengers too, messengers of encouragement and steadfast support, as Joseph was for that which the Spirit was breathing and is still breathing into the world. The opposite of joy, the joy we think about in this season, is worry. Worry is the illusion that we can somehow prevent tomorrow's heartaches. When we live in worry, we live not in the present, but our minds keep us tending an unknown future. We often miss the joy of what is occurring right now, right in front of us, and miss opportunities to be fully present with others, with our attention and our support. When we are robbed of our joy, it is difficult to create more joy in the world. Most pregnancy announcements probably conjure up both joy and worry. This must have been so for Joseph as well. He chose to believe, to believe the angel messenger that things would be all right, and that it was okay to go with the flow on this one. His staying present to Mary instead of giving in to the worry of what might happen was a gift for the whole of humanity. Joseph already knows that Mary is pregnant and is faced with a decision. He's called righteous, just, or law-abiding, but is going to break the law a law that would lead to a severe and humiliating sentence for Mary and is going to quietly divorce her. We can tell already that he loves her more than he has need for retribution or even the law. What a foreshadowing of grace this is. Matthew writes for a Jewish audience, and this connection of being righteous and just even while making love the ultimate power rather than the rules, is important for them and for us. Sometimes described as the heart of the law instead of the letter of the law. The angel comes to intervene. For Matthew's readers who would not have known the Luke Annunciation story to Mary, 
This is how they discover the divine purpose of this pregnancy. Messages that intervene into human history is a focus here. Who have been angels among us in our days? Who have you experienced or when or where have you experienced an angel in your life helping to make things more joyous and better? Believe it or not, I had one this week. On Monday, I traveled back down to Berrien County to Watervalid, if you know where that little town is, uh, to be at the funeral of a pastor colleague's wife. She had fought a long battle with liver disease, uh, and her time to go to heaven was there. As I was driving back home later in the day, I stopped for gas at Speedway near Holland and then headed the rest of the way home only to find that I'd lost my wallet along the way. A little embarrassing. (laughs) And I called Speedway and they wouldn't answer their phone. So the next morning I drove down thinking, there's a 50% chance I'll find it. I didn't. And so I canceled all my credit cards, told the bank I needed a new debit card, And then on Friday, I had a voicemail message. It was a woman saying, my husband found your wallet. He wasn't anywhere near Holland. (laughs) He was in Rockford. I don't know how the wallet got from... He must have stopped at the same speedway. But she sent that message, and I called, and I said, you have my wallet. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. And then she told me that it was her husband who found it and how he does a lot of driving as as part of his work and just happened to come upon it. But I'm mindful that so many people would have just walked past or thrown it in the trash or tried to use whatever things might be available by having it. And so that's my angel story for this week, that this gentleman stopped and picked it up And then his wife was part of it. She's the one who figured out what my phone number was. Pretty amazing to me. And I don't have to go pay for a new driver's license. (laughs) (laughs) On September 11th, 2001, when a hijacked plane struck the second of the World Trade Center towers and a crowd of people huddled on the 78th floor of the lobby Unsure what had happened or what to do, it seemed that the destruction in the floors below had cut off their escape routes. Eventually, a young man who was wearing a red bandana over his nose and mouth appeared through the smoke. He spoke calmly but authoritatively, telling the frightened people that he had found an intact stairwell. After the man had led one group down the 78 flights of stairs to safety, He turned to find many others as he could and led them down as well. He made three trips that day before Tower 2 finally collapsed. None of those he saved knew the identity of their miraculous rescuer until several months later when stories emerged about the unidentified young man wearing a red bandana. Allison Crowther, who had lost her son that day, saw an article about this young man in the New York Times. 
She knew that it could only have been her son, Wells, who had worked as an equities trader in Tower 2. How could she know that it was him? Because he'd carried that red bandana with him since he was a little boy. He had also been trained as a volunteer firefighter. She knew that the actions of the man in the red bandana reflected the character of her son, who had worked with underprivileged children through the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in the Boston area during his college years. His mother said of him, he could have left, but because of who he was, he chose to stay, and we honor that decision. Angels appear for many reasons and with varying purposes in the Bible. In Joseph's case, they came to assure him that the child Mary was carrying was that of the Holy Spirit, and so guide him how to protect the life of Jesus Christ. Since they appeared in a dream, Joseph might have dismissed the angels as a figment of his unconscious imagination, but instead he understood that God had sent a messenger, and he had acted in accordance with the message One way to see Wells Crowther's saving work that day is as an act of justice or sacrificial bravery by one human being. I see it as a young man's choice to act as an angel, someone who volunteered to be the means by which God provided a path so to rescue as the angel did for Joseph. When we orient our way of seeing to focus on God we may come to recognize the conduits of God's love, that we all can be angels and are always in the presence of angels around us. So what angel stories do you have? What angel stories have you been touched by in your life? In these continuing weeks of Advent, as we come closer and closer each day to Christmas Eve, And Christmas, be on the lookout. Look at those small things that people sometimes do that make life a little easier for a moment or a lifetime. I want to close with another poem. This one by um, Anne Weems, titled, What Do I Want for Christmas? What do I want for Christmas? I want to kneel in Bethlehem the air thick with alleluias, the angels singing that God is born among us in the light of the star. I want to see them come, the wise ones and the humble. I want to see them come bearing whatever they treasure to lay at the feet of him who gives us life. What do I want for Christmas? To see in that stable the whole world kneeling in thanks for a promise kept, new life. For in his nativity, we find our own. Let us pray. O oh God, for all the gifts that you pour into our world and into our lives individually, we give you thanks and praise. We give you thanks especially for those people in our lives who have been angels to us at times of need. Help us to find those ways in which we can be angels to one another and even to the strangers among us. We pray all this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.